This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Amen. I was, I've been meditating uh, on uh, uh, the book of Acts, but uh, in the first chapter, in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The former treatise. Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both, both, see that word both, doesn't mean one, doesn't mean an option, both to do and teach. I taught a course one time at a uh, Christian college and uh, the person that was taking over that class for the next year he wanted my notes and I said okay I'll, I'll give you my notes I don't usually do that by the way and so he called me up a few weeks later he said where are all, where are all your stories he said I listened to the tapes and your stories aren't in these notes I said that my friend is what you add you add your stories to it. It's not just teaching it. It's something that you have to be doing. And that's when he told me, he says, well, I've never, I've never done this before. I've never even, and it was on church pioneering. And I have taught that uh, for a number of years. Pioneered three churches. Actually, I found out we pioneered five churches. Two took off from Bible studies that we started, and I didn't even know they became churches. I just found out in the last couple of years. Um, pretty good-sized churches. But, uh, you know, you have to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. Amen? So I'm assuming something. I'm assuming that you're here to be taught so that you can go out and do something. Amen? Amen. Education alone is not enough. You have uh, theory, and then you have what? Application. You, there has to be a doer, doing of it. There, uh, in the New Testament, it says, uh, he said, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Have you ever looked up the word doer? Have you ever looked up that? Because that was one of the, the questions that I was asked a lot when I was pastoring. Well, Pastor Bibi, what does it mean to be a doer of the word? And so I'd have to slow down and break it up. And I said, okay, if he's teaching on love then that means from that time on, you walk in love. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But uh, the word there for being a doer of the word uh, in the Greek language is where we get the word poetry in the English language. You could look this up. I forget how it's spelled, but it looks something like poetress or something like that. And so the author of that epistle knew exactly what he was doing when he used that word, be a doer of the word, because that was a description of people that would go from city to city, town to town, at different times, back in the time when that epistle was written, and they were called poets. And because they didn't have the entertainment that we have today with television and internet and everything else, 
When somebody came to town to do something like recite poetry and sing songs and, or whatever, it was a big thing. But everyone also knew that when the poets came to that town, they build a platform up so that person, could, the poet, could get up on the platform and there do whatever the presentation was, whether it was poetry or a song or whatever. So when the author said, be a doer of the word, what was he telling them? Don't just hear it. Do it. Put your actions on display in the middle of the community. You doing all right? See, I like teaching soul winning. And um, thank God I got in with a group of soul winners when I was first born again. As a matter of fact, the, uh, there was a husband and wife, and we went out to their uh, farmhouse out in the country, and they had a Bible study there, and that's where we were. These people just loved us. We were not the most lovable people back then, all right? We were just starting out being Christians. And she just went home to be with the Lord just uh, a week or so ago, 10 days ago, I guess. She was 93 years old. Just a lovely lady. I went and visited her about four weeks ago. And uh, she, stood, she sat right up in bed and began to laugh, just real loud. Just ha, ha, ha. You know, she hadn't seen us in about a year or so. And so uh, we went and talked with her. But we were around people that were always reaching out. Okay, what does it mean to be a doer of the word concerning soul winning? That means get with it. Did you realize you can be the best neighbor in your whole neighborhood and people can die and go to hell knowing that you're a great Christian perhaps? Knowing that you smile and wave at them. See, you go to church all the time. But they could die and go to hell because you didn't go over and tell them about Jesus. And my friends, that's where we're living today. So what we're teaching about the authority of the believer, it's not just getting all the devils off of us. You know what I'm talking about? It's going out and helping other people. Isn't that why you're here at school? Okay? I never knew that I was... Uh, it never dawned on me when I, I came... I come from a town, I actually still live in this town, uh, of a thousand people. That's not very big, is it? Now, I didn't know that he was going to take me all the way around the world. Didn't know that. But it pays to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. Alright? Now, I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'm going to bounce around. This will not be in the order that Brother Hagen would teach it. Um, in Romans chapter 5, verse 17... I'm just starting here. We could have started in, in Genesis. It doesn't matter. I'll go there next. But there's Scripture everywhere in your Bible that shows us that there's a life of victory. Amen? All right? Now, you can't just stay in this kind of a thought pattern where, okay, I'm a Christian and God loves me and He'll deal with the devil for me. We're going to study that out because He's given us some things to deal with the devil. Amen? Yeah. If you were to go and apply for a job somewhere 
And uh, they said, yeah, we want to hire you. We, we'll, we've got a position for you. Show up maybe the next day or whenever. You show up and we're going to, uh, we're going to get you fitted uh, you know, for, with equipment and everything else. And uh, you walk away thinking, I've got a job. This is great. I've got a job. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be on time and I'm going to show up. So you show up at that next time when you're supposed to. And they said, okay, this is, this is the equipment that we have for you. All right, and they hand you a bulletproof vest. Okay, and they got they have this helmet for your head, and you've got this shield, and you've got this big sword, and right about then you start to get the picture that you're not going to be just taking care of a garden someplace. You understand that? So once you see uh, how God has equipped us, you start to think, well, maybe there is an enemy out there. Amen? And this is where the church has got to pick up and, get, and take their rightful position uh, in Christ. We have to. And, and I'll tell stories uh, from my own personal experience. Uh, Brother Hagen had thousands of stories. Um, but after a while, you, you start getting your own. And I'm going to be sharing some things that we have seen. It says in Romans uh, 5.17, did you find it? If you haven't by now, forget it. No, I'm just kidding. It says, for if one man's offense, who is that, Adam? Death reigned by one. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall what? Reigned in life by one. Is that right? Who is that? Jesus Christ. Okay, so right there we see something. A reigning. Okay? That's not talking about reigning down with rain. It's talking about being over something. Having some authority. This is a great verse, by the way. This is a wonderful area of Scripture here. One of the best scriptures that I've seen in getting people healed. Because of Adam's offense, what? Death reigned, is that right? When did sickness and disease come in? After Adam fell. So sickness and disease was a result of Adam's sin, is that right? So Adam's sin was the root Sickness and disease was the fruit. Is that right? But this tells us that Jesus came and dealt with Adam's root problem. Is that right? So, in the forgiveness of sins, when you're born again, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what happens to that old life? It's gone, is that right? Amen? then why does sickness and disease have a chance in our life? If the root has been destroyed, hello? If the sin problem has been solved, then the healing problem is also settled. Isn't that good? Now in different parts of the world, um, we're in Thailand, and I got that little example that we just used right there about like this by a lady that was in a church in Thailand. She was hooked up with the, the school. 
uh, I helped get Rambo Bible Training Center started there in, in Thailand. And, uh, but she was one of the be- uh, greater soul winners I've ever seen. She was a businesswoman. And she, w- she took us, as a matter of fact, uh, with her a couple of times. And uh, uh, I had to have somebody next to me interpreting. But uh, that's the example she used. In their society, the way that they can understand things is that when they see that Jesus put, cut the root of sin, something explodes in them because of the way that they were brought up. And we saw all kinds of people get saved and healed. Amen? This is a wonderful gospel we have. But it's, it's so wonderful, it would be almost a crime if we never shared it again with one other person. I've believed for years that no matter where I go, I'm on some sort of an assignment. I know angels have assignments, but what about us? Amen? Anyway, I'm getting off my subject a little bit, but I like to, we've got a lot of time. So reigning is something that we do in Christ Jesus, is that right? What do we reign over? What Adam brought in because of his disobedience. We can reign over that. In Genesis chapter 1, and I'll start in verse 26, uh, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Everyone say dominion. dominion. It's a wonderful word. I'll give you a definition of that shortly. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over uh, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. Somebody said that has to be a reference to the devil because he's creepy. All right? Um, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created... uh, image of God, he created him, male and female, created, uh, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, subdue it, have dominion over the fish, etc. Have dominion. Adam had something that he lost, and it was called dominion. Amen? Well, a greater person in history showed up later on, and his name is Jesus Christ. Adam had a certain realm of dominion. We have a greater one. We have a better covenant established on better promises. Amen? So we're starting to see in just a few verses here that God ex- expects us to do something with what we have. Amen? Let me tell you a story. How many like stories? I know Brother Hagen said one time, he said that when Jesus had appeared to him and was telling him something, He said, I didn't put the name of Jesus in the church just to heal the church. He said, I gave the name to the church to go and minister to people outside the church. Amen. And I'm going to take uh, some of our sessions, it'll probably be tomorrow, I'm not sure, uh, some of our sessions and we'll talk about the name of Jesus. Amen. Because I don't hear enough preaching on it. I'll be honest with you. I, I can listen to just about any station, Christian station in the United States. You rarely hear anything 
about the name of Jesus and the authority. You don't, you don't hear about healing. Seems like it's all money nowadays. I said it's all money nowadays. And Peter said to a certain person one time, he said, thy money perish with you because you have thought that the gift of God can be purchased with money. Amen. God's going to supply your needs. Don't get me wrong. He'll supply your needs. But it's not all about me establishing a huge kingdom. You know what I'm talking about? Where everyone serves me? Well, I've got a lot of things on my heart. Even in the ministry gifts. Did you know the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher? Those are God-given gifts to the church. Amen? The church is not a gift to the fivefold ministry gifts. Did you catch that? A lot of people trying to build their own kingdom. They're going to find out one day they were, they were serving the wrong Lord. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> Encourage me just a little bit here, okay? We pastored uh, and pioneered churches over 17 years. And uh, <clears throat> we're in our first church. And we had this lady that would just visit every once in a while. She was Catholic. She and her husband were Catholics. Uh, she had gotten actually saved and filled with the Spirit, but her husband wouldn't let her come to our church. Of course, we had a small church. We had 12 people the first year, 15 the second year, and got all the way up to 100 the third year. I was, I'm still amazed that that many people came. But anyway, but we saw signs, wonders, and miracles all the time. Almost all of the great ones were outside of the church building. And this is one of them. Well, this Catholic lady, she would sneak into the, 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 the teaching every once in a while. What she'd do is she'd tell her husband, I'm going to go across town. I need to pick up eggs or something, you know. And what she'd do, she'd swing by and sit in there for about 10 minutes. And she told me one day, she says, if, if I, you're just going to see me come and go because my husband doesn't want me here. She says, but if I'm sick, I know if I could just hear the word, I'll be healed. If I could just hear it. She had a revelation of he sent his word and healed them. And that's where her faith was. She didn't have a, a, a lot of teaching, but that's where her faith was. So we got a call from her one day, and she said, uh, would you and your wife come over and, uh, and have cof coffee with me or something like that? She says, there's something I want to talk to you about. And I thought it was a little odd because her husband didn't want her coming to us. I imagine he didn't want us there but anyway I didn't bring that up something didn't seem quite right so we showed up my wife and I did she met us at the door we went on into the living room and there's somebody else in the living room her sister and her sister had a crippling disease from the time that she was two years old uh, her face she's a beautiful woman but from her neck down, she was pencil thin. And it was a crippling thing. And they, they uh, in fact, they welded a lot of her joints together. When she walked, she was just like a robot like this. And so 
we came kind of around the corner into this room and this, this, this lady, I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know that this lady had a sister. And the sister that was sitting down, she goes, who is that? That's how she said it. Who is that? She goes, that better not be that preacher you were telling me about. Thank you. It's the sick is supposed to call the elders of the church. Is that right? Not the sister. It's the sick. But anyway, so I knew immediately I'd been set up. I don't like that being set up. If you've been in ministry any length of time at all, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Why can't people be honest and open? Amen? Did she think I wouldn't go over there? So she said, uh, I don't want anybody praying for me. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. She goes, I want you to leave now. And I look back at the sister that invited us, and she's, she's hanging her head like this. She says, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this. I said, you're exactly right. And I said, I said to the lady that was sitting in the, in the seat, I said, uh, I said, I didn't know that you were even here. I said, I, I didn't know anything about this, and I apologize. I said, we'll go right now. She said, good, because I don't want anything that you have. That's how she was talking. Ooh. Well, when she said that, something on the inside just said, wait a minute. So I said, listen, I said, uh, I'm leaving right now, and I, and I know you don't want to hear what I have to say, but I, said, uh, but I told her, I said, um, I said I'm going to be praying for you. She says, I don't want your prayers. I don't want anything to do with you. Leave now. I said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I said, but I'm thinking about praying right now. She said, I don't want you praying right now. I don't believe in prayer. And she said this, how would a God, if a God existed, why would God ever let this happen to my body? Constant pain from the time that she was two years old. At this time she was 31, I think it was, 31 or 32. Well, that's a big question, isn't it? Okay. What I want to do is say, say to my wife, Barb, why don't you handle that question? That's a good one for you. No. Because when reaching the lost, you don't get over into the realm of reason. We're to preach. That means to declare. It doesn't even mean to teach. It means to declare. I said, okay. I said, I understand. I said, I'm going to tell you something though. No matter what you think about God, He loves you, and I know it. So anyway, I'm edging my way towards her. And she saw I wasn't going to leave. I said, do you mind if I just pray right now? She says, don't touch me. I said, I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to do anything like that. I said, but I'm going to ask God to do one thing. And I'll tell you ahead of time. I'm going to ask Him to show Himself strong on your behalf. She says, is that all you're going to do? I said, that's all I'm going to do. So I just knelt right down there. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to do something for this lady. I think I said something like taking authority over the enemy. But anyway, 
she would have known what I said anyway. I could have done it in tongues and she would have, you know, been the same thing. And I said, uh, and Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I got up. I said, come on, Barb, we're going. I said, bye. She says, goodbye. <laughs> Two or three days later, I get a phone call from the sister that invited us. And she's just kind of laughing and kind of crying. And she says, I have to tell you something. I just got a phone call. And my sister that was here, she left our house and traveled to the upper peninsula of Michigan, which is like about three, four hundred miles north of there. All right. And uh, went up there to stay with some other relatives. And while she was up there, she called back and she says, I want you to ask that preacher one thing. She goes, you want me to ask him a question? She goes, yeah. Ask him, how do you keep the devils out once they're gone? I didn't sit there and count devils. I didn't ask, okay, devil, what's your name? I, you don't do that. We've got a name. Yes. Amen? Yes. But even as, as wonderful as having the name, <clears throat> we have the responsibility. Amen? But I'll tell you the wrong thing to do. Push your way into some place. I am the great man of God. Everyone out. As if it's all about me. What we do with God, notice I didn't say for, the things that we do with God, He gets the credit for everything that's done. And it's far better that people remember His name than mine. Amen? Amen. He said, Brother Bibi, I need some really great miracles to establish my, my, my ministry. All right, go get somebody saved. That is the greatest miracle that can happen on this planet. Go get them. There's some other things going to happen. But he, he wants us to reign and rule in some things in life. Amen? Amen. i got all these stories I want to tell you. Maybe I should just give you some more word and we'll just jump on the other stories. All right. Here again, here's Adam. Adam was told, he said, uh, to keep the garden. If you look it up in the original languages, it means to protect and guard over the garden. Do you think he may have had an idea that there was enemies? Do you realize a lot of the church around the world, they don't even want to acknowledge the, the devil exists. Does that surprise you? Doesn't surprise me. Because there will be a falling away at these end times. All right. In Ephesians chapter 1, bless you, and I'll come back to uh, some of these scriptures later. Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, you want me to finish up that little story about the lady that was crippled? She said that first night that she left her sister's house and then three days had gone by, she didn't have pain in her body for the first time in nearly 30 years. Now, I've never seen her since that time. 
I've never seen either one of them about since that time. All right? But it doesn't make any difference. Pastor Paul, uh, younger Cho, now he calls himself David. Do you know who I'm talking about? The pastor of the largest church in the world? If you read his material, you'll find out that he gives the credit for what's taken place in his ministry. What do they have? A million people at that church. A million members in one church. It's very organized, okay? It's not all in one place. But um, he said there was a 16-year-old girl that came through my village when I was young and dying. He had diseases and he was he believed or was trying to believe in seeking God in other you know religions and that. And uh, one day a girl came up to the the door where he was because the Lord had told her go to that go down to that that house there, or home or whatever it was and go tell tell him about Jesus and pray for him. And she did. Now it was two weeks later he was totally healed and received the Lord. Two weeks later. But he says, I don't know what her name is. He says, everything that I ever accomplish in ministry will all go to her credit, whoever she is. It's amazing, isn't it? All right. Okay, let me get on here. Ephesians chapter 1, verses, uh, I'm going to start with verse 20, I think it is. Which he wrought in Christ, and I'm just jumping into this and I'll come back later on. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Well, here again, we start seeing something. Jesus, when he raised from the dead, when he rose from the dead, he had, a pow- he had power and authority. Uh, in the Greek language, I think there's four or five words that, that speak of different levels of power and strength. All of those words are used in these verses right here. Every one of them. So the author, uh, who wrote Ephesians again? Oh, I was thinking it was the Holy Ghost. Just I caught you, didn't I? Yeah. But the Holy Spirit wanted to emphasize something. All power. All power. All dominion. Alright? And then He gave it to the church. And that's one of three areas of revelation that Paul was praying for these churches to have. What do we have, five minutes then? Ten minutes? Okay, would you remember how we did this last time? You stood up and your right arm was you're the clock? No, I'm just Luke chapter ten. Are you getting anything out of this yet? Yes. Luke chapter ten, verse uh, seventeen and uh, through twenty. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power 
See that word power? To tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen? Uh, Very interesting here. Uh, There's two of these Greek words that's used. He says, I give you all uh, exousia over all the power, all right, dunamis of the enemy. And I'm going to get into that probably uh, right now and, and show you. Let me give you a definition. I told you I was going to give you this. Dominion. Let me give you this definition. This will help you. And if you're asking where I got this, I don't remember. If it's real good, I'm just going to say I made it up. No, I got it from somebody else. I just don't remember. Dominion is the right and the power to govern and control. Dominion, I'll give it to you again, is the right and the power to govern and control. That's pretty good, isn't it? So one of these words, the right, means that you have a legal right, but you also have the power, the strength over everything too. Okay? You know, you can have all kinds of power, and you do have power in your life. You have all kinds. But there's some things you don't have the right to have dominion over. You want some examples of that? You've got no right to have dominion over my wife. Let me add something else in here. Good luck if you try to take that. Hello? Yeah. There's a lot of things that I don't have dominion over. A lot of things. You can have all kinds of titles. I've had all all kinds of titles. Matter of fact, I had titles at one time. I didn't even know what the titles were. Really. Oh, by the way, I turned it down. Well, I tried to turn it down anyway. You know who Pastor Hagen is, don't you? He came into my office one day and said that the last director was stepping down. He says, and I want to, take you, I want to give you the position. You're going to be the national director of all the ministers and the churches and over all the alumni. And I just looked at him and I go, well, this isn't anything I was believing for. That's what I told him. I wasn't believing for this. He says, okay, fine, you're it. He walked out the door and I'm going. So later on I asked, I said, now when do I get the manual for this? When do I get the standard operating procedures? When do I get this? And Ms. Hagen just looked at me and just laughed. She says, you'll be okay. That's all the training I got. Do you understand that? (laughs) I went home and started thinking about some of this stuff. 2,400 credentialed ministers, 1,500 American churches, 30,000 alumni. And I walk in the door and I say, hi, hon, how you doing? She goes, 
I need this fixed over here. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? My title had nothing to do with her at the house. You know what I'm talking about? I, she wasn't impressed one single bit. Never once did I say, wife, I am the national director. I expect you to obey me. Now, I'm exaggerating some of these things just a little bit, but I've dealt with ministers for years that are so filled with themselves, I doubt they have any Holy Ghost left in them. <laughs> Bless my holy name. Praise me. And you think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. People that think, ministers that think that they're above the Word of God. Don't let it once be named in this group. Amen? Amen? True humility is knowing who you are in Christ Jesus and being that to the best of your ability. Anything higher is pride. Anything lower is pride. Yeah, just to say that you're less than what the Bible says, you're still exalting your knowledge above the knowledge of God. So either one, you think you're a worm in the dirt, or if you think that you're the greatest preacher that's ever preached, it's all pride. Amen? Two things that you're going to have to get burned out of you. Two things. This is from my own experience. I've taught this for years. Two things that's going to have to get burned out of you. Are you ready for this? Pride. Mm -hmm. And ambition. Personal ambition. God will put you in the position you need to be. You don't have to use politics in the church. I said you don't have to use politics in the church. And if you see people doing it, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Don't you get messed up in it. Because either by the time I take my last breath on this planet and go home to be with Jesus or we get raptured out, I'm still going to be being used by the Spirit of God and I'm going to remember who's in charge. Amen? So this teaching on, uh, on uh, authority of the believer, how are we doing? i got a minute or two? Two minutes? Thank you. Don't you fall down on me back there. You know what I'm talking about? Help me out. Okay. So understanding this, uh, the, the right and the power to govern and control. Way too many politics in the church today. Way too much. I've gone places, I've gone places. I told my wife one time, I said, I think I'm going to be the only minister in the United States before too long that's not a doctor of something. I told her that years ago. I said, everybody else, people that we knew, they, they had all these titles, fancy titles, they are this and that and the other thing. I saw some people that were 20, 21 years old calling themselves apostles. They should have started working on the word epistle. 
and work up. If God doesn't make you one and you try to make yourself one, that makes you a false one. And I can prove that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I can prove that to you. Just If you're not one, when you call yourself one, put false before it. By the way, they, somebody finally conferred a doctorate on me. I didn't ask for it. They conferred one on me from a Spanish university. I can't even read what they gave me. <laughs> sweet people, though. Very sweet people. Very wonderful people. They're doing it to honor me. My brother is a medical doctor. To me, that's a doctor. I just got a title that I don't know what to do with. Not one single devil has said this yet. Oh, you're a doctor too. We must go. No. It doesn't matter. If we had uniforms, if we had medals, and that stuff doesn't matter. Lord, what do you have for me to do? Amen? For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.